And welcome to another episode of Talk. I'm Dio. Let's talk. Uh, my guest of the evening is joining us all the way from the UK. He has a brand new book out that's called Real Men Quit. Ladies and gentlemen, give a warm welcome to Duncan Baskaran Brown. Welcome to the show, man. How are you? I'm good, man. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to, uh, well, doing some talking. Same here. Um, I was looking uh, um, a little bit about your, your your background. You have this amazing, rich history of all overcoming obstacles, challenges, and you if you've even uh, become a speaker. Yeah, I, I mean, to be fair, I I don't know whether I should get too much praise because a lot of the obstacles I overcame, I put in my own way. So, uh, you know, it probably would have just done better not to have put the obstacles in my way to start off with. But yes, yes, I uh, I used to drink, smoke, eat junk food and listen to bad music. And I have cured most of that. Wow. I mean, I think I've got over the bad music as well, but my wife would disagree. Mm. So what what inspired this this hear your story I'm, I'm I'm intrigued to learn what inspired you to to write such a great book on basically real men quit what what does that mean yeah, so there was a, there's a few things that sort of inspired me to write it I I had a, a very good friend uh when I was young I, I met him when I was at university and we spent a lot of our 20s together And we spent a lot of our 20s together drinking and drinking hard and it caught up with him. And uh, unfortunately, he died at 27. And that was a really important part of my journey. I I didn't stop drinking um, after he died and it, it was was totally related to alcohol but it still didn't stop me drinking but it it was a part of the journey it was it was a moment where I kind of made the decision that I was going to change I mean I made the decision not to change right then but I knew at some point that the change was going to come and I think later on in life when circumstances led me towards having to really decide what I wanted from life um that my experience with him uh, made that a lot easier and uh, I, I made the right decision in that so a, a lot of it is is tied up with him but since I've stopped drinking I, I've I've done quite a lot of work with a, with a lot of people and I met one particular guy who who really inspired me to write the book because he he joined um, the British Armed Forces. He joined the Royal Marine Commandos. And that's got the longest infantry training course in the world. So you've got to be pretty tough to yeah. get through that. You know, you've got to have a lot of self-control. You've got to have a lot of discipline. And he he got through that. And he served with distinction and it wasn't quite enough for him. So he took the selection course for the special boat service, which is the British equivalent of the Navy SEALs. So it's, you know, the best of the best. And he spent six years uh, at the the top of his profession. Um, And, you know, they they don't just give that away with the cornflakes, do they? You know, to get there, you have to be tough. You have to have self-control. You have to have discipline. You have to have what you guys lovingly call intestinal fortitude. I always love that expression. Um, so he was obviously a very, very strong guy, but he got caught with alcohol and he had everything in his life under control. Um, since he'd left the forces, he'd started his own business. It was going very, very well. Everything he had under control. 
apart from the drinking, which he just could not get under control. And it really hit home to me that if somebody like that, somebody with that much strength, self-control and discipline can get caught with uh, alcohol, then we all can. And it's no shame on anybody who gets trapped in it. If somebody like that can get trapped in it, then we all can. Wow. That's inspiring. That's it's inspiring, but yet tragic at the same time. How how long, if if I can ask, how long have you been sober? I've done um, eight and a half years. Although wow. I probably should start saying eight and three quarter years. It's um, it, I was thinking about this the other day because my my daughter, my daughter was born almost exactly nine months after I stopped drinking. So they clearly weren't lying about that fertility bit, were they? <laughs> um, and. I think she's at she's at the point where it's sort of like she is seven and ten months kind of thing, you know. And I, I don't know whether I should still be quite that bad about it with sobriety. I'm sort of looking forward to getting to ten years because then I can just go, oh, it's about ten years and not worry about it too much. But yeah, it'll be it'll be nine years in the end of May. Wow! Well, congrats. That's a that's a that's a heavy. Uh task to 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 carry yeah i mean it is and it isn't uh the thing the thing is i think and my experience of working with quite a lot of people is that you know stopping drinking um it can have its difficulties mm. um but it is relatively straightforward it's pretty simple uh you know it's not it's something that you can just go out and do necessarily but it's pretty straightforward you know with a bit of help and a bit of support most people can do it and then staying sober, you know, that's difficult. Again, it's it's kind of simple. It's not easy, but it is kind of simple. It is kind of straightforward. You know the kind of things you, you need to do. Uh, but we always know what we what we should do. We always know mm. we should be eating more vegetables and less McDonald's. Do we do it? I, I don't know. So the thing is, it, it's not in and of itself actually that hard. It's just made up of a load of little decisions. And you've just got to keep making the right decision. Ultimately, you've just got to keep moving forward. And I, I, I think I've found it kind of I mean, there's been challenges, don't get me wrong, but I found it kind of enjoyable just to keep moving forward and think, right, I've solved that problem. I've stopped smoking. What do I do now? What do I do? What's the next thing? And when I get to the point where all I really have to worry about is whether I do my yoga before or after I have my overnight oats, then, you know, I'm just, I've got it made. I'm not quite there yet, but uh, that's uh, when your problems get like that, you know, you've got it sorted, don't you? I mean, but you got, it's it's work. It's work, it's consistency. It's wanted, wanting to, to improve and better yourself, which is this quality that you have kept for the last eight, nine years, which, you know, kudos to you. It's, it's, Discipline, as you say. Yeah. No, look, I'd really love to tell everybody that there was like this amazing pattern mm -hmm. that you could do and suddenly you'd get all of this stuff and like, ah, oh, you know, all you need to do is give me $49 a month and I will share the one big secret <laughs> and it will require absolutely no work. I genuinely wish it was like that, but it's not. And I, I've interviewed 
so many people who've got sober, really successful people who've, you know, used their sobriety as a springboard to move into business, to um, excel at sport, to, uh, you know, I, I didn't, like a good friend of mine, Nick, is currently rowing the Atlantic. Nutcase. But, Whoa. you know, his sobriety has given him this this springboard to go off and, like, go on these amazing adventures all over the world. And every single one of them says, yeah, you just got to put one foot in the other, front of the other. You know, you just got to do the work. There's no mm. shortcut. It just got to get up, try and be a bit better than you were yesterday. There's actually not really any mystery to it. It is pretty simple. Not always easy, but it is always mm. simple. You know, I, I grew up in, in, in a small island called Puerto Rico. And uh, my grandparents, after they moved and retired from here, New Jersey, that I'm located, uh, they opened the bar. And where the bar for, I want to say, 10 years was very successful. But they were massive alcoholics, massive trauma, drug addicts, et cetera, et cetera. Everything you think that was bad was happening, right? Which probably I think that that's one of the reasons I'm not a big drinker. And if I do drink, I drink in my house where I feel safe, where I know that, you know, I can, there's no... There's no fear around me, right? And after 10 years, I go back, uh, now married with a child, and and I find this gentleman, and where he's older, he's a lot more older, maybe 70s, and uh, and and I sit down with him, and I have this conversation because he was I I know him well, growing up in the bar, he he was a, a major major drinker, problematic drinker. And uh, we're here joking around, and I ask him, you know, how does it feel being sober? And, you know, and I'm I'm paraphrasing, right? Because it's it's uh, he's telling me this in Spanish, and and he told me basically, being sober, it, it's um, being reminded of every effed up thing you've done in your life. And trying to basically just hold yourself accountable and try to do better. In your 10 years, and, and you're, I'm sorry, your eight, nine years you're going, how's, how, how's it been, how has it been for you being sober? Yeah, I, I, I think you make a really, really good point there. But, you know, as, as drinkers, we, we all do it because we're trying to run away from something. You know, that might be unprocessed childhood trauma. That's quite common among people who drink heavily. It might be uh, difficult things that have happened in your adult life around um, employment, relationships, grief, uh, you know, those kind of more kind of adult problems. Um, But it can just be something like relatively simple that you, you know, you have a bit of social anxiety. That's Mm. why it starts out, you know, but you know, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it starts to affect the small things. You get a little bit stressed because you wake up in the morning, not quite yourself spending a bit more money than you should. So you got a bit less money in your account. Things are getting a bit tight, you know, 
you're spending more time uh, drinking than you are nurturing your relationships. And that gets a little bit tight. And that that was it for me. There wasn't well, like one big major thing that I was running away from. I was just trying to run away from a, a lot of those annoying little things. And absolutely, when I stopped drinking, I had to stand in front of them. And that was kind of annoying um, to start off with. But as you kind of actually do stand in front of them, you start to realize the size of the problems. And one thing that I I have noticed very much is that if you sort of try and ignore your problems, they look a lot bigger. If you actually stand in front of them and actually try and do something about them, they shrink. So if you ignore them, they get bigger. But if you actually look at them and stand in front of them, they get smaller. So actually the whole idea of running away it really really does not work so for me the joy of sobriety is the ability to stand in front of my problems added added to that that you know it's given me more energy and more focus and depth of relationships and all of that good stuff uh you know has has made made coping with those little difficulties in life so much easier like the other day uh, i got a parking ticket and okay. It was entirely my fault. I parked somewhere I shouldn't have parked. Um, and I know what would have happened. If I'd have been drinking, I would have told everyone who would have listened how unfair that was. Because it was only 15 minutes before the thing. It was just like, I mean, honestly, don't they have any real crimes to investigate? And I would have like just moaned to everybody that would have listened i would have contested it i'd have written to the local council i'd have written to um i'd have written to the president you know i'd have written joe <laughs> biden a letter despite the fact <laughs> it happened in oxford it would have been that bad um and i would have made such a big thing out of it but you know what did i do i just went wow oh, duncan you were an idiot. You parked in the wrong place. I sent them off. I gave them the 60 quid or whatever it was. I paid it and it was gone and it was totally forgotten. In fact, I wouldn't even remember it, except I keep using it as an example of how much less stressful my life is. Not because different things happen, but because I react to them in such a different way. I get it. I get it. So what, what, what made you want to call your new book Real Men Quit? What was what? What's that about? Well, it's a kind of a bit of a, a try and you know get people thinking and um, get them to sort of oh put their back up a little bit. It's like, well, I drink and I'm a real man. What do you mean, Duncan? Um, and to turn the, I, I'm I'm quite keen on turning the idea of quitting around. People think you know quitting is a bad thing, but I think it's a, it's a very very good thing. But the reason why I wrote it was because there are a lot of amazing women in the sober space. There are a lot of amazing women doing doing great work. Uh, Holly Willoughby and Annie Grace and Claire Pooley and Lisa Stevens. And you're like, I could go on and on and on. There's so many amazing women who are telling their stories. They're doing some really good stuff. They're building communities um, and they are helping a lot of other women to get sober. And that's great. And I love that. And I admire that. And I think it's fantastic. But the plain fact is that men are far more likely to have a problem with drinking and they're mm. far less likely to ask for help. And as I, 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 the sober community, it just does not have very many vocal men in it. And I think we need to stand up 
for the issues of men in general. And for me, you know, that's standing up and talking about what it means to drink as a man and what it means to get sober as a man. No, I agree. I, I, I concur. I, 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 I applaud you for that. I think you're, you're, you're hitting, you know, the nail right in the head because there, there are so many men that are going through um, something doesn't necessarily have to be alcohol, but going through something where there's alcohol abuse, drug abuse, mental health issues, they're going through something and there's not a, not enough of men to vocalize that, you know, women on the other hand, they're very vocal. They're, they're, they'll, they'll tell you what's going on detail by detail. And that's great. But we also need, you know, our side to speak up and, and start helping contributing to, to this cause. So uh, 120 years ago, women started to organize because like uh, our grandparents, they they were a bit stupid and they didn't let women vote. So like, great, you know, they they, they needed to organize and uh, like they, they managed to get the vote and they didn't stop there, did they? And brilliant. And like, I'm not saying that like, you know, the feminist movement has completely achieved all of its goals and it should back up now, but they have <laughs> done a pretty good job of getting certain issues onto the agenda. So um, domestic violence is a, is a really, really good example of that. And the conversation around domestic violence is almost exclusively about men committing acts of violence on women and I know that we both, neither of us are going to support that as an idea. We both condemn that because that is a terrible thing. And we think that that should be brought to light and it should be talked about. Absolutely. But the basic fact is that it, domestic violence is not just men against women. It's women against women. It's men against men. And sometimes it's women against men. So we need to talk about it in its broader scope, yet the agenda is dominated um, because women are much better organised. They're much better at getting those issues onto onto the agenda. And, you know, it's, it's, it's true in sobriety and it's true um, in a lot of other issues. So come on, guys, you know, women have been organising for 120 years and what we've been doing is sitting in the bar, drinking beer, eating nuts and talking about football, you know, like it's time to actually do something fellas. No, I agree. I agree. I think, um, there, there's a, there's a table and, and women like men both can contribute. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, we are always stronger together and yeah, I think, uh, we need just a, a more balanced discussion and we need to bring the kind of things to light that society would rather not focus on, you know, and alcohol as a problem is something that, that people generally don't want to talk about because yeah. quite a lot of people drink more alcohol than they should. And they know they do. They, and they don't want to talk about it. They want to talk about the supposed health benefits of red wine, which are almost entirely fictitious. <laughs> uh, but they want to talk about that because yeah. it makes them feel better yeah. about drinking wine. Yeah, it's 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 more easier. And I, I'm only uh, assuming, right? It's more easier to just go to a liquor store or a bar, order a beverage 
and drink than actually sit there with somebody, figure out how you're feeling and put words that you still have not yet to develop to tell tell someone how you're feeling and what's going on with you. Yeah, yeah. And I think... But it's work. Know, Everything yeah. is work. And... I, I think we, as as men, we we don't always get the greatest start with that. There's often this kind of idea when we're growing up that we've got to just be be tough and we can't cry. You know, boys don't cry. Mm. Uh, you know, we just yeah. got to be tough. We just got to get on with it, and that's that doesn't help. And I think you know the other thing is that actually, if you give men the space and you give them the time and you actually listen to them, they are reasonably good at get beginning to talk. Uh, you know, they might not always have the the words to describe emotions. Uh, you know, we we tend to either be um, angry or annoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't necessarily go into the full range of emotions, but but at the end of the day, we are reasonably good at talking about it if we are given the space. Problem is that we don't often give each other the space. You know, mm. I, I don't think men are actually that bad at talking. I think the problem is we're we're quite bad at listening. So <laughs> we we don't we don't give each other the opportunity to talk through these things. If you start talking uh, about something serious, they'll just you know we just make a joke uh, of it, don't we? And we just sort of like shut up. Um, you know, want to watch the football? Yeah, they want something to. To essentially numb them, you know, um, but also it, it's that vulnerability. It gets real, real quick. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's something that I come across an awful lot that people, they 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 believe when they start drinking that it's helping them to express themselves and it's helping them to be more outgoing. But you know, the more they drink, the the less they feel like themselves. And eventually, after after we've we've talked about it a little bit and we've gone through it, they start to realize that it's stopping them being who they are. It's stopping them express themselves in an authentic way. And again, you know, I, I've interviewed an awful lot of people who've got sober, and it's it is amazing to see when they do reconnect with themselves when they when they really discover meaning and purpose and things like that and they go on and create these amazing uh groups and businesses and experiences and uh, you know it's just fantastic to watch people flourish when they when they are doing something that they really really genuinely love doing rather than just trying to distract themselves trying to numb themselves yeah yeah in your in your area, because I know you're you're in UK over there. How's 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 the support when it comes to men regarding that? Is there is there is there men actually doing speaking up, supporting, or it's just it's still we're we're still down. We're still going through it. Yeah, I I mean we are a bit rubbish. We are getting better. Um, you know there are more and more um groups for men that are popping up all over the place good grassroots movements just you know somebody uh, they they have had a problem they looked for some support for it they couldn't find it they solved the problem themselves and then they want to provide that for other people who are suffering what they are so yeah i mean things are definitely getting better there is an awful long 
way to go. And, uh, you know, I think th there's a lot of little bits that are mm. happening here and there. I think we just need to be much more concerted, need to be much more organised about it. We need to make more of a shout about International Men's Day, which is the 19th of November. And, uh, you know, I, I think that that's a great opportunity to actually get it on the agenda. And I think things are changing. Then they're, they're not changing quick enough. There are still a lot of problems in society. But um, yeah, there are, yeah. there are people who are speaking up. We just I, need I more. Of them. Yeah, I think. Um, uh, I I think we as men at times we're very undervalued. Um, I think we 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 get a lot of grief because our track record hasn't been the greatest, you know? But there are, you know, some like us that are trying, just trying. It's not about whether succeeding or achieving a goal, even a purpose, we're just trying. And I think that's not just, uh, having this conversation, it's not just happening like here in, in America where um, media is all time high, and we're brainwashing and, and, you know, unvaluable topics are being presented. So I think I think you're doing a great job and, and you know, keep grinding, keep, keep, keep pushing. Yeah, I, I, thanks, man. I mean, that, that is it. I mean, I mean, that is the lesson that I learned with uh, with sobriety. It's the lesson that really is at the heart mm. of the book, Real Man Quit. You know, it, it is it is very simple. How do you how do you win the Super Bowl? You know, <laughs> you just you throw the ball and you run a bit and then you throw the ball and you run a bit more and you throw the ball and you run a bit more. And if you sort of think about it, like in this massive sense of like, oh, my God, I've got to win the Super Bowl, then you're never going to do it, are you? But if you think about it as just like, well, I just got to run that route. That's it. I got to run the route that's in front of me. And if you can do that, you know, it's manageable. And and that is how change happens. You know, it, lots of people doing lots and lots of little things that seem mundane and seem utterly unimportant. Uh, but put together, you know, things change. And we we have beaten industries that have been trying to sell us poison, you know, we we have not entirely destroyed the tobacco industry or the nicotine industry, you know, and and they're they're they're, they're hanging on as best they can. But we have completely and utterly changed the narrative around smoking, and that was just a lot of people, you know, doing what was in front of them every day, putting one foot in front of the other, you know, and uh, that really changed things. Um, and smoking. The, the attitude towards smoking in my lifetime has changed enormously. And I think that still in my lifetime, uh, the attitude towards alcohol is going to change. I think in 20 years time, people will look at alcohol a lot more like they look at cigarettes today. Mm. I agree. What are, what are some, without giving too much detail, what, what are, what are some things that we can find in your book that, that would help the, the, let's say, someone who's just thinking about getting sober but doesn't have you know the proper knowledge or just doesn't know how to well 
I mean, the good news is that uh, the most common way to get sober is actually without any sort of like formal support. I mean, everybody thinks that you either have to go to AA or rehab yeah. to to get sober. And look, I mean, don't get me wrong, AA do a lot of good work and there are a lot of amazing rehabs in America. But um, about 45% of people that stop drinking stop drinking entirely on their own without any formal support. I mean, sometimes they read books. Hopefully, from now on, they're going to read Real Men Quit, uh, even the women. Um, <laughs> I think knowing that, that actually, you know, having the permission to do it on your own is quite important. But at the heart of my mes- method is getting to grips with the beliefs. So um, the a, a lot of the book is about saying, all right, why do you believe alcohol makes you, uh, you know, tough? Why do you believe alcohol makes you sophisticated? Uh, the short answer is uh, you've you've seen a load of sports people advertising alcohol and that kind of idea of strength and toughness has sort of rubbed off on the alcohol. That's uh, why um, why alcohol companies spend so much money uh, sponsoring American football, for example. Why do you think, uh, why do you believe alcohol makes you look sophisticated? Because you've watched too many Bond movies, my friend. You know? <laughs> um, so we just get to grips with all of those beliefs. And once you understand, once you've brought the beliefs around alcohol to light, once you've asked yourself whether they're true, whether once you've asked yourself whether they're serving you or not, once you've got rid of all of the unhelpful stuff, then actually the behavior is pretty easy. You know, there are a few tips and tactics around managing your thoughts and things like that. But actually, you get to grips with your beliefs, the thoughts follow and the behavior follows. Problem is, most people try and do it the other way around. They try and change the behavior and hope the thoughts and the beliefs will catch up which they rarely do. So uh, Real Men Quit does it the right way around. Start with the beliefs, get the thoughts in place, and then stop drinking. So the, this book is basically you're, you're advising the process you went through on, on how to find your sobriety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, the, it's, it's in essence the, the process that I went through with more jokes. Not <laughs> all of them are good. They, they, they're regular jokes. They're not all funny, but they do come along like buses. Was while while you were writing this, were were there any triggers or memories that gave you some challenges to write it? Yeah, so I, I mean, I wrote a lot about my friend John, who who sadly passed away, and that was one of those poignant sort of experiences, mm. wasn't it? You know, there was a lot of sadness in kind of revisiting that, but there was also quite a lot of comfort in it that um, it helped me to think through what had gone on and and my role in it. And, you know, I, I, I think I genuinely believe that, that very few people are either really stupid or bad. I think most people just make mistakes because they have a limited awareness. You know, most people are genuinely trying to do their best. They just lack the understanding um, to, to do a better job. And if we sort of like look at them as being bad or stupid, then we are doing them a great disservice. And even worse than that, it tends to rub off. We tend to look at ourselves and we tend to think that our actions were motivated by stupidity or evil or something like that. Mm. And trust me, you are not bad. You are not stupid. You just approached it with the understanding you had at the time. And that's what I really learned from kind of getting to grips with with 
everything that happened with with John. And you know that's uh, that's that's a load of really free therapy for me. And you know if if I can help other people, um, you know, start to understand that and get to that point, then then yeah. It, it all, all of the time I spent writing, it was definitely, definitely worth it. So yeah, it, it was, it was difficult, but um, but worth it. That's the most important part. When you finished writing it, was there was there one person in particular you you was like, hey, read this, let me know what you think. And if so, what was that feedback feedback like? So I. I I, I, I've been writing for for a while, and I'm I'm quite lucky to have a good uh, network of other writers and friends uh, who are quite understanding, and a lot of um, kind of speakers and trainers and coaches and experts that I've I've worked with in the past. So I I sent it off to about 60, 70 people, uh, not when it was completely finished, but when it was towards the end of, of the hard of draft, uh, rough draft. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it was about draft five, I think that was. <laughs> and I got an awful lot of feedback, um, some of which was really useful, some of which I totally ignored, some of which was contradictory. <laughs> I always, always love that when you get one person who says, I really love that bit. And then somebody else says, I really hate that bit. And you think, oh, well, I've just got to make up my own mind, haven't I? Um, but I did get a couple of people who um, sort of got about halfway through it and then sort of said, well, I quite liked it, but for some reason I didn't want to finish reading it. And I was like, well, uh, maybe we should have a conversation about it. You know, maybe we, maybe it would be better to do it in person and, and uh, see how you're feeling around that. So I think I probably did accidentally trigger a few few people and uh, make them think uh, a little bit but you know on, on the flip side a couple of people <laughs> that I sent it to just because I was interested in their opinions actually stopped drinking as a result of uh, reading it which was quite nice yeah, that's <laughs> I was like, oh, it does actually work then that's good <laughs> I mean you know it's your story you know it, it's uh People sometimes have the misconception of of understanding that your story is your story, not theirs. And your your view on certain things and certain experience that you live through is not the same uh, as theirs. So I think people just lack sometimes, you know, empathy or understanding. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I think. There is there is often a lot of criticism of other methods in the sober community. And I, I get why people are like that. You know, I, I mean, I genuinely think stopping drinking saved my life. Mm. And I, I was um, I, I was smoking, uh, eating badly, drinking heavily, very stressed and uh, knocking on for 40. And that's just heart attack territory, isn't it? So if I didn't if I hadn't done something about my life. You know, I don't think it's too much of an exaggeration to say I could have been uh, could have been dead by now. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, getting sober, I, I can make the argument that it saved my life. And there are many people who who got a lot closer to it and, and they got sober. And for them and for me, it's just such a great gift. So 
any method that can help you change your life to that extent is going to be something you're going to be quite keen on. You know, you're going to value that method. But and and that's great. And I totally understand why that is. But what what you find is some people get so focused on the method that they use to to stop drinking, they start to criticize all of the other methods. And what I think we need to realize as a community is that everybody approaches stuff differently. Mm. And something that worked for you is not necessarily going to work for somebody else. And we need, we therefore need to have a more integrative approach. We need to approach it the way that um, we basically need to be more like MMA, you know, because before, before MMA, all the karate guys were going, no karate is the best martial art. And all the, um, uh kickboxers were going up oh, kickboxing and the boxers were going get boxing and as it turns out it was uh brazilian jiu-jitsu um the thing is they all had their approaches but nobody really knew which was the most effective until they all got into a ring and sorted it out mm. the good old-fashioned way and i think there's a lot of that in the sober community now you know people are standing over here shouting my way is the best uh, people say my way is the best and what we need to do is we need to integrate it we need mm. to work out what each method does well what how it serves each individual person and then find the right method for people because ultimately getting people sober, getting them to a point where they can really flourish and enjoy their life. That is far more important than clinging to some dogma about an approach. I agree. Duncan, you're, 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 you're a total badass. I <laughs> admire you and respect you because you are a true contributor to progress. Yes, man. What and it, I am a badass. I'm yes, totally you are. Man. Yeah, you are. I mean, it, it takes, it takes balls. It takes, it takes a lot of courage a lot of strength to um, just stop because you want better for yourself. Just stop because you don't want you you don't want to you don't want to die at forty. Just stop because you want to have uh, better memorable memories with your wife, with your kids, with friends. You you, you stop because you want to have a better experience. That's that's the one thing a lot of people um, lack of is accountability you're setting yourself accountable yeah and i think you kind of hit on something that i've i've always believed about courage and sacrifice so i spent 10 years as a volunteer firefighter Mm. and you sort of like everybody they they all want the stories about kicking in doors and running into burning buildings and pulling beautiful women out and yeah obviously (laughs) i did loads and loads of that but I mean, mostly it's very, very boring. And mostly the sacrifice you make is not, you know, the it, the, the sacrifice that firefighters make is, is, is rarely actually giving up their lives in burning buildings and dying. I mean, firefighters do die on yes. the job, but that is pretty rare. The sacrifice that firefighters generally make is just, it's inconvenient. You know, you end up, on this big job, which is a lot of standing around and absolutely no grammar, and the food isn't any good either. And um, because you're there for, you know, eight, 10 hours at a stretch, you've missed that thing that you want to do in the evening. You've missed half the night's sleep. You've still got to get up for work the next morning, even though you're not getting into bed till four in the morning or something like that. You're only getting a couple of hours sleep. That's the sacrifice. That is the courage. You know, the, the courage to actually show up and and do that that is courage it's not the big kind of thing you know it's not dying in the building that's not 
courage. Courage is just making those tiny sacrifices every single day. Mm, yeah. Showing up, being consistent. Yeah, it's, it's the it's the it's the secret, you know. Um far too many people they they try something and it doesn't immediately bring them results. So they just give up. Yeah. And uh yeah, most things will not bring you immediate immediate results most things you have to actually put in a little bit of time with before you start to see the fruit although to be honest with you <laughs> i felt better the day after i stopped drinking i felt even better the day after that um because honestly if you stop putting large quantities of poison into your body mm, you do feel yeah. better quite quickly that said another thing that nobody ever talks about in the sober community is that um, between three months and 15 months, most people have a fairly significant dip. So they get that enjoyable bit when they when they stop drinking and it feels good to start off with. But invariably, whatever yeah. they're trying to escape from um, by drinking, you know, they have to stand in front of it. And that is difficult, whether that is emotional or practical, it's still difficult. And it gives you this kind of like dip in satisfaction. And that's why I'm so keen to work with people on a much longer term basis. Mm -hmm. I know I get you sober in a couple of hours if you really, really want to. But it's working with you over the long term to get you through that dip so that you can get out the other side. And the uh, research is fairly clear if you can get out the other side of that dip, if you can get to about two years, in general, your life satisfaction will keep going up and it will keep going up and it will keep going up. And literally, you know, the the um, the research has been done on people who've been sober for 40 years and they're still reporting increased life satisfaction uh, after 40 years. Um, so the only way to really know that is to uh, to do 40 years of sobriety. So. I reckon let's um, stick a date in the diary about um, 2056. Shall we do another one of these? Sure. See how much yeah. I'm enjoying 40 years of sobriety. Sure, sure. It'll be an honor. Um, yeah, it, it only takes one day and then the next day and then the next day. You know, it's um, I tell everyone you got to. This life is such a. a, a, a tricky way right you're 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 i'm like i'm like frank smiller's batman the dark knight and we're like i want to get after it once you once you find that and you go after like you went after your sobriety like you continue going after your sobriety and you keep continue it, it, you just want more and more and more and, and the more you the higher you get the less you're willing to settle for something that's not valuable so once again, I repeat myself, you're a total badass and you're doing it. Thank you, man. I'm sticking that on my business cards. Hey, whatever works. Um, Duncan, it's been an honor speaking to you. Uh, before we go, please uh, tell everyone where they can find your book, social media, but also you're doing a giveaway. Yeah, so uh, if you want to get a copy of Real Men Quit, it's um, it's on Amazon. Uh, pretty easy to find. Stick Real Men Quit into the internet, and uh, and and you'll come up with something. That said, if you want to read the book that I uh, I wrote a couple of years ago, it's called Get Over Indulgence, which is uh, really my story um, about stopping smoking, drinking, taking uh, junk food, 
and all of the all of the bad stuff it's quite short that's the best thing about it so if you put um getover.uk into the internet that'll take you to a bit of my website where you can get a pdf copy or a kindle version or you can download the audiobook if you can stand to listen to me for just under three hours doing some really dodgy silly voices as well i'd like i'll apologize for that now but you can have the audiobook for free uh that's getover.uk um that as i say that'll take you to a bit of my website you can download the book from there um, but also, you know, that's my website. So you can find me on all of the socials. We're quite busy on uh, LinkedIn. We do a lot of work with businesses at the moment. Um, what I've found is a lot of businesses, they all have well-being programs these days. Very few of them have got anything to do with alcohol. So we plug that particular gap. That's what we do on LinkedIn. Uh, but Instagram and Facebook, if you're just interested in me, uh, going on about how great being sober is um and how to achieve it although to be fair i do talk quite a bit these days about moderating your drinking and finding a way of reducing the harm of alcohol so that's what what we do on on facebook and uh, instagram so yeah i'm 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 basically really easy to find <laughs> if you can spell baskaran brown but if you can't just put getover.uk into google and you'll find me boom there you have it, ladies and gentlemen Go check him out. Go follow him. Go get his book right now. Go support him. Uh, go hit him up if you have if you need any advice. He's more than willing to 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 advise you. Uh, make sure to go follow me on Instagram at Mister Ten. Go follow me everywhere on Facebook. Uh, make sure you like and subscribe to the YouTube channel Deal Talk TV. Go to DreamInspiredTen.com and get that new merch. I got new merch, ladies and gentlemen. Duncan, it's been an honor. Uh, have a good night, guys. I'm out. Thank <laughs> you.